Well, I want to talk to you today about a royal invitation, a royal invitation. And I'm going to use for a text a passage of Scripture that many of you could probably quote. It's a very, very familiar passage in your Bible. It's one that, um, that, that is, is easy to memorize, and it's almost poetic in its uh, ingenious way that the Lord Jesus shared it with us. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And it reads like this, come to me, this is Jesus speaking, by the way, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that beautiful? It's an invitation from the Lord Jesus. I remember several years ago, I got a call one morning, and it was the mayor's office in Augusta, and the mayor asked me would I be kind enough to meet with him and a few other leaders in town on a Saturday morning at 7.30. I looked at my calendar, and I was not free. I already had plans for that Saturday, but guess what? I accepted his invitation. I worked out what I needed to to get other things adjusted, and I was at the meeting. A friend of mine, a few years ago, was invited in, in his state by the governor of the state to conduct a Bible study at the uh, governor's mansion with all of his staff for one solid year on a particular day. Did he have other things to do? Absolutely. But guess what? He accepted that invitation. Pastor Larry Stockstill a couple years ago was called by the president of Mexico and said, would you come? I'd like to meet with you. Did he have anything scheduled for that day? Yes, but he changed his schedule to meet with the president of Mexico. Um, so, so you see, we treat these invitations from people that we consider special or or in, in positions of, of influence or power, authority, we, we tend to work whatever we have to to meet those, whether it be a mayor, a governor, or a president. We try to make that because the invitation is so special and is so important, and we don't want to let anybody down. But I want to talk to you this morning about an invitation that's given by someone who is far more prominent than any of the ones I just mentioned. He's more prominent than any mayor, any governor, or even any president. In fact, he is the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus, and he has an invitation for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So... I want to share three things in this message this morning. I want to talk to you about the privilege of the invitation. I want to talk to you about the promise of the invitation. And I want to talk to you about the power of that invitation. Let's look first of all at the privilege of the invitation. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. That's his invitation. He says, come to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. You know, the singers in Israel had some sort of an idea about how special the invitation to be in the presence of the Lord was. In fact, many of the Psalms were written as songs. 
And they progressed. They sang these psalms as they went to the house of the Lord. They were preparing their hearts to be in the presence of God. They had psalms that they would sing on their journey to, and they had psalms that they would quote as they went up the steps into the temple. They had songs that would ultimately cultivate uh, at the sacrifice altar where they made their sacrifice to the Lord. In fact, here's, here's one that tells you just how special they considered their invitation to be in the presence of the Lord was. In Psalms chapter 84, verse 10, look at this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. Wow. Now, now that's getting your priorities right. The psalmist said, Lord, I'd rather have one day in your presence than a thousand days out of your presence. One day is better. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He understood how special that invitation is. And I want to tell you this morning, you and I are so blessed to have an invitation from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says, come to me. I'm inviting you to come. Oh, the privilege. We are privileged. Folks, do you realize how privileged we are today? You were able to come in here this morning and, and nobody had... No, no, nobody held you up and nobody checked your credentials and no, nobody uh, uh, tried to hinder you from getting here. Nobody, nobody threatened you to lock you up. And, you know, this past week we just saw where a pastor who'd been incarcerated in Turkey for a, a long, long time and finally got his freedom, thank the Lord, this week. And uh, his family had been praying for so long. Do you realize that there are people in church this morning or gathering in house groups this morning all over this world at risk of their lives just to get together and worship and you and I come in freely and have the opportunity to worship the Lord amen even get a cup of coffee on our way in to make sure we're good and awake uh, if, if you like we, we're so blessed today we are so blessed the privilege we have of this invitation when there are millions of people on planet earth who have not yet even heard the name of Jesus. And we're trying to get that message to the world before Jesus comes. Amen. So let's look secondly at the promise of this invitation. Jesus said, you come to me and I will give you rest. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. He, he, he has his part and we have our part. He says, come to me. And when we respond to that and say, okay, here I come, he says, I'm going to give you rest. Praise the Lord. Now, if, if you just read over the top of that, and don't look at anything but the English word there, rest. You're going to find rest used more than once in this passage that I read to you as a text. And yet, they don't mean the same thing. It's two different kinds of rest altogether. We just have the one word. In the Greek, there was more than one. And, the, and, and, the, and so they were using two different words here. Jesus was... When, when he shared this invitation, he said, come to me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. That, re that is a rest that is given. He said, I will give you 
rest. And that word rest there literally means to recreate. I will, I will, I will recreate you. I will, that's where, that's where we get the word recreation. It's an opportunity to sort of revive and renew and restore and, and recreate as it were. Only the recreation that Jesus is talking about is much greater than anything you can get with relaxation or recreation in this world. He's talking about the kind of recreation that makes you a brand new creature. He's talking about, he's talking about, he said, if you'll come to me, I will take your burden of sin. I'll take that guilt and that shame and everything that the enemy has put on you and everything that everybody else has put on you. And I'll take all of that stuff and, and I, I'll wash your sins away. Every one of them, I'll make you a brand new creature, a brand new person. We become recreated in Jesus Christ. Wow. The promise of this invitation. If you'll come, he'll recreate. It's just that simple. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful this morning? How many of you have been born again? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You did and he did. <laughs> Glory to God. Come to him. I'll recreate you. I'll make you a new creature. He said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You'll never have that peace that you're looking for. You'll never have that joy and contentment that you're searching after until you're born again. But boy, when you're born again, Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things are new. Brand new life. Brand new beginning. Brand new start. Glory to God. All of the past, all the failures, all the mistakes, all the shortcomings, all of the, all of that's behind you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus when you respond to the invitation. That part is given. Jesus gives it. But there's a second rest. Coming to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of hearts, and you will find rest for your soul. It's a different word altogether. In fact, the Greek word here has the idea encompassed in it of taking the tension off of a spring. It's the best way I know to define it. And I've shared that with you before. Anybody in here old enough to remember the pre-air conditioner days when we had our windows open and a screen door at the front? <laughs> Anybody? Oh, boy. Those were the days. And as a little boy, I was hyperactive before they came up with the term. And I ran everywhere I went. And... Uh, when, that, when my mom would see me headed for the front door, she'd start screaming because she knew what was going to do. I was going to hit it wide open, boy. I was going, and that door, that spring door would go all the way back, bam, against the house. And, and it, it, but what they were concerned about was that if you, if you put that much stress on the spring that pulls it back, you're liable to damage it 
so that it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And boy, would my daddy be upset with me when he came home and the spring door, screen door wouldn't come all the way to. He just kind of sat out there in the wind and bloom. <laughs> he had to go get a new spring and put on the screen door because I don't know whether it's a proper word or not, but this is what they told me I did. He said, you sprung to spring. Well, Jesus says that if you'll come to me, you'll have to learn how to do this now. But if you'll come to me and spend time with me, you will, you will see this happening to you. I'll take the tension off of the spring of your life. I look around this congregation this morning, and I'll guarantee you that if we had time for everybody to tell their story, there are many of you today that are dealing with an overload of stress. You're, you're under stress. Your doctor's already told you that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but I'm asking you the question. How many of you are sitting here this morning listening to me right now and the doctor's already told you that there's too much stress in your life? You, you're going to have to find a way to get out from under some of the stress. Maybe a counselor has told you. Maybe a friend has told you. Maybe a small group leader. Maybe some of your brothers or sisters in the Lord and your in your group have said to you, boy, you're, you're just going, you're, you're stressing out. Listen, stress can kill you. Stress can affect you spiritually. Stress can affect you mentally and emotionally. And stress can affect you physically. It can actually do damage to your physical body. And we live in such a tense world right now. Oh, my God goodness there's tension everywhere you got to watch everything you say that you don't make somebody mad or offend somebody hurt somebody's feeling because there's demonic forces at work right now trying to divide us and separate us and by the way read matthew 24 mark 13 and luke 21 and see what jesus said about the last days and you will discover that we're right here that spirit of division. He'll even try to break up homes and families, set mothers against their daughters and, and daughters against their mothers. In other, in other words, get right in your home and cause friction and, and division. And Boy, we're seeing it everywhere, aren't we? Political division, racial divide, ethnicity. Uh, uh, it, it's it's um, uh, even, even to gender right now. You... you, you Help us, Jesus. And he will. And he will. In fact, can I say to you this morning, the church ought to be the one institution in this world right now where there's all this hate baiting and fussing and fuming and fighting and political correctness and, and offense on every hand. The church ought to be one body that stands up in the midst of all of this and say, Jesus taught us to love each other and we're going to love each other. Amen. Jesus said, they'll know you by your love. That's how they're going to know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ. 
So don't get caught into that tug of war. And you say, well, preacher, how do you avoid all of that? Spend time with Jesus. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest. I'll take the tension off of the spring. I'll take the stress out of your life. That, that, that doesn't mean that he's going to just suddenly transform everything that you're going through and take you out of it. No, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. He can give you a holy shock absorber and let you ride right on top of the bumps of life and get you through to the other side with victory. Amen. And he desires to do that today. It's a learned process. You learn it. I remember many years ago, in fact, that we had not been here as pastor very long. When I went through a period of time, something that I had never experienced it before, but I, I, I was battling with insomnia. I couldn't sleep. And uh, I had a good psychiatrist friend who taught me progressive relaxation. And boy, it was an answer to, to that problem for me. Because once I learned how to progressively relax so that I could get all the tension off of my body, in 15 minutes I could go to sleep anytime, anywhere. Man, I got that down good too. I worked on that, brother. I learned how to do that, and I have got it. And boy, when I find myself, if, I don't, if I'm not falling asleep on my way to the pillow, And, it ta and, I, and I find myself still laying there awake two or three minutes later, man, I get my progressive relaxation going, and in 10 or 15 minutes, I'm gone. I learned how to do that. Would you like to know how to do that? Well, I'll set up a booth in the back, and for, for $50 a person, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to teach you progressive relaxation here from the pulpit this morning. In fact, I'm going to teach you something better than that. And I find that this works just as good or even better. Jesus said, come to me, spend some time with me. Just get in the word. Man, if you have prob problems sleeping, just start memorizing or quoting scripture. The devil will let you go to sleep then. He don't want to hear that. <laughs> Jesus said, come to me. I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we'd, I, I, I preached the funeral of Sister um, Gertrude Aldridge, 101 years old. One of, the, one of the songs that they had at her service, and I saw it on the program, and when I saw the song, and it's was by a well-known country music artist and I, I thought whoa I got a, it's kind of unusual to have a I mean it's, it's, it's such a sainted woman as this to have a country music singer singing a song at her funeral but they told the story about the song before they played it and then I saw why Sister Gertrude, after she, she, she was a single parent, her husband was killed, and she had to raise her three kids by herself. And, 
and she got them through college and once she did she went back to college herself and um, she was a perfectionist she just did everything to the she graduated valedictorian and she was one of the few women who ever took Greek at Lee University and I shared with you a few weeks ago most of my friends who took Greek um, they struggled to make a C Sister Aldridge had a 4.0 average in Greek it, she was a smart lady I mean she was she was, and, I, and I, I've been knowing her since way back in the 60s so um, being a part of her funeral was just a real blessing for me but but back to this song when she was um, when she was at, at um, university and the name of it slips my mind is in Cincinnati Ohio she was taking some courses there and um, she would this back in the cassette tape days anybody remember cassette tapes okay uh, she would tape the lectures and then after she got home when she was studying she would go back and listen to the lecture again and of course with cassette tapes you know you could tape over the top of whatever you had before it and she had, had taped a bunch of music on this tape and and then she'd tape the lecture and and she was listening to the lecture that she had had that day and her day she'd been studying for hours and hours and she was listening through that lecture and at the very at the very moment the lecture stopped the very next i mean just like that it was this country singer singing an old uh, spiritual song that said and he, here were the words that she heard immediately when the lecture stopped the next word she heard from this country music artist it was he was a male singer was have you taken any time for jesus he has taken time for you wow it and it and it just hit her and she said you know i'm studying so hard and consuming my time and i hadn't really taken any time for jesus today and so she she turned off the cassette player and got down on her knees and repented and said lord please forgive me i won't let this happen again and she made a commitment no matter what it cost her as far as time for her studies or whatever she would always take time first for jesus no wonder she graduated with a 4.0 average no wonder she was valedictorian she put him first Jesus said, come to me, all ye who labor in heaven. I'll take that stress out of it. You, you can learn a lot more when you're not under so much stress. You know, he said, I'll, I'll, just take, I'll just take that tension off of the spring of life, of your life, and I'll let you enjoy my rest. She took time for Jesus. He's taking time. That's a learned process learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart here's my third and final point I want to talk to you about the power of this invitation this is so wonderful right here for many years I, I, I wondered why there are people who would refuse the invitation of the Lord I've, I've given hundreds thousands tens of thousands probably uh, through the years of of altar invitations 
And it, it always baffles me why anyone would not respond to the royal invitation of heaven to come and receive from the Lord. And so I decided to run my own little survey. And so I talked to a lot of people. And I had people tell me things like this, and, and this was pretty consistent. Why didn't you respond when you had an opportunity to come and give your heart to Jesus? And the response was usually, I, I was afraid I couldn't live it. I, I just didn't, I, I didn't think I could do it. Or, or another one was, I just didn't feel like I was good enough. Boy, have I got some good news for you this morning. When Jesus gives you the invitation, he also gives you the power to walk out whatever he invites you to partake of. Glory to God. Woo. Yes. Yes. If you go wait till you're good enough, forget it. That'll never come. None of us are good enough. We don't come to God on our goodness. We come on his goodness. The goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. But when he invites you, when he says, come to me, he wants to change your life. He's going to give you the power to do whatever it may be. There may be some of you sitting here this morning. You've been struggling with doing the will of God. You know that God has got some things that he wants you to do. And you, you, you're afraid to do it because you don't, you don't think you can do it. Listen. God never asks you to do anything that he doesn't give you the power to do it successfully with. Amen. That the power comes with that invitation. Let me give you a couple of examples from the scripture. First of all, you remember when Jesus walked on the water? Remember that story? Jesus had just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Told his disciples, he said, get in the boat down, go to the other side of the little sea of Galilee. I'll meet you on the other side. So they went out and he went up to a mountain to pray. While he was in the mountain praying, he looked down across that. They call it a sea. It's really kind of a, a large lake, but it's, it, the way it's situated, it, it it's, uh, lends itself to sudden storms. And, and one of those storms had suddenly hit, and his disciples were there battling in that storm. Jesus was looking at them from the mountaintop four miles away, and when he saw them, he came to them walking on the water. So you, you up to date? You remember that story? Okay. You remember what happened when he got, when he got close to them and when they saw him, they cried out. They were terrified when they saw Jesus. You know why? They thought they saw a ghost. Well, what would you think? What would I think? I, I think that's perfectly legitimate that you. They never seen Jesus walk on the water before. They certainly hadn't seen anybody else walk on the water. And, and here's the thing that frightened them so. There was a, an, a, in folklore of that time, and, and seamen were well aware of this story, there was a saying that went around that if you see a ghost in a storm, that means you're not going to survive. Now, I don't know how that got started, because if you see a ghost and you don't survive, who? But anyway, my, my mind does crazy things sometimes. But 
But somebody started the story. I don't know who, who started or how or why. But, but everybody knew it that, that uh, was around the water very much, especially fishermen that made their lives on it or, or uh, Navy people that, that served their country. Uh, on it. That, that this story had gone around. And so when the disciples saw Jesus and thought it was a ghost, they thought, oh, no, we're sunk. It's over. And Jesus said, no, 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 it is I, be not afraid. It's really me. And of course, you know what Simon Peter did. Let me read it to you from Matthew 14, 28, 29. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. Here's the point I want to make out of this. Now, we, we generally kind of criticize old Simon Peter because, you know, before he got to Jesus, he got to looking at the waves and the wind and all that stuff, and he got afraid, and, and he had a little problem. But Jesus dealt with his unbelief. The point is, when Jesus said one word, it was an invitation, an invitation he said, come. And when he said that, in that invitation was the power to get there. That's, <laughs> if you wonder how Simon Peter walked on the water, that's the answer right there. In the invitation was the power to perform it. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, if God's calling you to something, He'll give you the power to perform it. It's there. It's in the invitation. It's in the Word. His Word is mighty. His Word is powerful. Glory to God. You can walk on the Word. Come. And so Simon Peter did. The power of the, of the Word. Let me give you another one. Over in John chapter 11. Remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus, good friends of Jesus. Anytime Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, or most of the time when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he would stop and visit these folks and sometimes spend the night there. It was kind of like a home away from home. They were all really close friends. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus was deathly sick. And would you please come and heal him? And Jesus got there four days later after Lazarus had died and been buried. And they buried him immediately when they died because they didn't uh, embalm. And so he had been dead and buried now for four days when Jesus got there. And Mary and Martha both said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd just been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you, I'm the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in me, though we are dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And they said, Lord, we believe that he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, take me to where you buried him. They took him to, and then he said, roll that stone away. And the sister said, oh, Lord, he's been dead four days. By now his body is decomposing. And Jesus cried out. John eleven forty three and 44a. 
Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. That's an invitation, isn't it? Didn't I just say that in this invitation there is the power to perform? So guess what happened? Lazarus came forth. Amen. He couldn't do that on his own. He couldn't do that on his own. I, I, I understand people that, that are afraid to, to make a total commitment to the Lord, afraid that they can't, that they can't live it. You can't, not on your own, but you don't have to because in that invitation is the power to perform it. Glory to God. You'll become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things will pass away. Everything will become new. You'll become victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's an abundance of power in that invitation. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. Stand with me, if you will, please. Wow. Wow. You know, it amazes me at how many people I see who are stressed out, overloaded with tension, family problems, financial problems, work-related problems, neighborhood problems. <laughs> Yeah. Yesterday, I, I heard I heard one of those blowers, you know, that leaf blowers. Boy, I heard that thing. Boy, it's so loud. I, it's almost, it, it got so loud. Faye finally looked out the window. She said, come here. You ain't going to believe this. Next door neighbor's blowing all his leaves right over in our yard. I couldn't believe it. I got a yard full of leaves that aren't even mine. Now, the flesh said, I ain't going to tell you everything the flesh said. But the flesh said, why don't you just walk right out there in the yard and look at him and ask him what he thinks he's doing. The Spirit said, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I didn't even get out of my recliner. I just said, Lord, my neighbor's yours. I'd like for you to save him. And I guess the best thing I could do to help you deal with him is to keep my big mouth shut. So I'm just going to rest and not worry about a thing. Amen. It's just leaves. It's just leaves. 
And one of our members is so kind that he does my yard anyway, so. <laughs> Him and his crew get them next week. Why get stressed out about stuff that's not going to mount to a hill of beans 10 years from now? But let me tell you something that is a reality. I want the prayer team to come on and prepare because I'm, I'm going to give an invitation today. I believe there's some people who need to pray. Listen to me for just a moment and, I, and I'll close. I want to give you, I want to give you a fact 100 years from now, every one of us in this room will either be in heaven or in hell. And that's for eternity. And, and you're going to work yourself to death you're going to stress yourself to a nervous breakdown or a physical breakdown over stuff and junk and feelings and ignorance, stupidity. 100 years from now, folks, mark my word, 100 years from now, there won't be a person under the sound of my voice. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that that won't be either in heaven or in hell. And what really counts? What really makes a difference? And some of you are knocking yourselves out. Some of you this morning need to come first of all and receive that rest that he gives, which is a recreation. Some of you just need to get born again. You just need to repent of your sins, ask Jesus to forgive you, and he'll come into your heart. He'll make you a new creature. He'll write your name on the Lamb's book of life. You can leave this building this morning knowing that 100 years from now you'll be in heaven, not in hell. Amen? You can get that settled right now. And, and, and you can get that burden of sin just, just lifted off of you. What freedom there is. How many of you know what it is to enjoy the freedom of your sins forgiven? Oh, glory. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And there are others of you this morning, many of you, many of you, many of you that need to accept the royal invitation from Jesus himself to come and let him teach you how to get this stress out of your life and teach you how to overcome that he could he'll begin the work right here if you'll just come to it just just come and spend some time with him he'll show you how to do it it's a learned process you'll learn it from him you, the first thing he'll tell you to do is yoke up with me drop that yoke that you're bearing right now and yoke up with me because my yoke is easy and my burden is like, you know why his yoke is easy? Because when you yoked up with Jesus, you're yoked up with the one that's got the power to pull it. Glory to God. He can pull it. All you got to do is just stay in step with him. His yoke's easy. His burden's light. Glory to God. I'm telling you this morning, if you're stressing, you're not yoked up right. 
So why don't you come? The invitation is here before you. Bow your heads with me for just a moment, if you will. Holy Spirit, please do what I'm unable to do. I've given you word, but I can only speak to ears. You can speak to hearts. Lord, I pray right now that you'll help every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place that needs to respond to this invitation today to step forward in faith and receive and learn of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen to me. The altar's open right now. I, I, I want you to come today. If you're unsaved, I want you to come. If you're loaded down with stress this morning, I want you to come. Come, come. The altar's open. God bless you.